Hello, everyone. I'm Al Grego, and this is the Yes, We Are Open podcast. Corktown, an older residential neighborhood in downtown Toronto. If you're like me, you might think the name Corktown might have some historical significance to wineries or distilleries especially since it's only a few blocks north of Toronto's distillery district. But like me, you'd be wrong. The name Corktown actually originated in the early 19th century, when the area became an enclave of Irish immigrants, primarily from County Cork, Ireland. Most of the early residents did find work at one of the local brickyards or breweries, which probably didn't help the misconception about the name. Corktown is nestled in the northwest corner of the Don Valley Parkway and the Gardner Expressway, but despite its proximity to these two busy highways, it maintains an intimate neighborhood feel, thanks to the late 19th century British-style row housing, some of the oldest in the city, lining the narrow side streets, and the creative use of outdoor spaces such as the Underpass Park and Corktown Common. Once a very blue-collar area, the neighborhood fell on hard times, and many of the buildings were uncapped or abandoned. But thanks to some major investment in the area, Corktown has recently become a desirable destination for Toronto professionals and families, drawn to the area's historic charm, with excellent shopping, fine restaurants, cafes, art galleries, boutiques, and more. I just walked through the Underpass Park located under Eastern Avenue and Adelaide Street East, up St. Lawrence Street to King Street East, where, on the southwest corner, is the subject of today's story, Impact Kitchen. That's Josh and Liza. They greet me as I walk into the restaurant. A pleasant, large, open space. To my left, folks sit at bar-height long tables, sipping their coffee and working on their laptops. To the right is a spacious dining area. The whole space is abuzz with music and activity. I'll give you a little bit of the tour and spiel. This is the original location. Josh and Liza take me on a tour of the facility, which I thought I'd seen it all, but... Then they take me in the back. Through the kitchen to a second prep area that opens up to a large industrial food prep area. You can see now, you know, we've really wow had the fortune to expand this space. Yeah. We've added in multiple refrigeration units, freezer units. So what do you do back here then? So this is where we make everything that we ship out to other locations. Okay. So we make our, our baked goods, our dressings, our sauces, our, our right. soups, bone broths. Uh, you know, we're, that's part of our food philosophy is you know, making everything in-house. Right. So that's where we, we create everything now. They're doing some uh, collagen puddings right there. We've got a butchery program in the back. Uh, so we really try to control the process. Mm-hmm. You know, we're obsessed with the quality of the ingredients. Right. You know, After the tour of the impressive facility, and after I curse myself for not eating a bigger breakfast this morning, Josh leads me to a small, quiet office for our interview. Hi, my name is Josh Brune. I'm the co-founder of Impact Kitchen. What year was Impact Kitchen founded? 2015 in October. (laughs) 
I've got two partners, Frank Toskin and Brett Toskin. Frank was the co-founder with me back in 2015. Give the idea of opening up a restaurant. Prior to Impact, mm-hmm. I worked as a personal trainer and nutrition coach. And I was, you know, incredibly fortunate to have a really inspiring group of clientele. You know, I realized that I was spending 30, 40 hours a week with these, you know, amazing people. You know, Frank being the most inspiring person I had almost ever met. Uh, you know, he's got an amazing uh, entrepreneur story himself. The Frank Josh is referring to is Frank Toskin, co-founder of Mac Cosmetics and one of Josh's personal training clients. You know, we worked together in our training sessions for close to seven, eight years. And, you know, during those sessions, you know, talked entrepreneurship and our love for coffee, our love for restaurants, you know, our love for health and wellness. And, you know, the concept kind of started to grow out of there. And, you know, he had given me permission to speak to him about any entrepreneur dreams and aspirations I had. And you know, took that as an opportunity to to make a formal business plan and present it the right way. So he's kind of your partner slash mentor in all of this. Yeah. yeah. What background did you have in restaurants? I had zero background in restaurants. What did you think you can start a restaurant? Then? Well, I think it was just about again that inspiration I had of believing that anything's possible, okay. and with hard work, you can really create anything. And, and, you know, I was super passionate about nutrition. Mm-hmm. I was eating out a lot, uh, going to a lot of coffee shops. And I thought there was an opportunity to do what I, what I, what I saw out there in, in a healthier way. Okay. So with Impact, you know, the first kind of thing we did was create the food philosophy okay. of the type of food we wanted to serve here and the type of ingredients we wanted to use. Right. You know, without reinventing the wheel of still having coffee, baked goods, you know, we have power bowls with, with high quality protein our soups and stews, bone broths, pressed juices. We have, you know, we have a, a really robust menu offering. Okay. When I was a personal trainer, I used the philosophy uh, minimally processed, nutrient dense, real food. Okay. And I thought you could apply that to. At the time, it was you know paleo, uh, vegan were the kind of two main ones. Now we hear popular things like like keto and right. whole thirty and whatnot. And there was a lot of debate between what was the best. So I was like, let's just apply that food philosophy to any diet choice. Okay. And and then with impact. You know, we really evolved it and, and got more granular. You're somebody with no background in restaurants, but you want to start a restaurant. What do you, what's your first step? Like, how do you, how do you start? Yeah, that was, that's a great question. <laughs> so it was, you know, creating that thousand item list and really that mindset of, chipping off one item at a time, reaching out, finding the right mentors and help that did have that restaurant experience. I worked with a lady named Jenny Companion who from uh, the 15 Group, a restaurant consulting company. And yeah, just just one step at a time, not letting myself get overwhelmed with the big picture. And, and then looking back on it now, there is something to say, you know, ignorance is bliss. Sure. Like I didn't know the scale and the scope of, you know, what we were trying to do. Like we did a tour earlier mm-hmm. and I remember another chef I was, you know, potentially thinking of working with before we had built out the full space. We had, you know, the, the framing up and we outlines of what the kitchen was going to look like. And the way I had been explained to her, she thought it would be like, like a smoothie bar. Right. And then she walked in and she's like, Oh my God. She's like, Josh, I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into. The scope kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, even then, like I had no clue. I didn't know. 
I was like, well, I want to make pressed juices in a house. I want to have a baking department. I, I want to make bone broths. And I think, you know, like having a, a partner like Frank who supported the vision, you know, there was one point where we were talking to other restaurant consultants and, and people were telling him and, and me, this is a bad idea. Like, you know, you guys gonna, you're gonna fail. And him as the investor, you know, he, he was getting that as well. I remember him saying to me, he's like, Josh, we have to stop listening to everybody and just do things our way. Yeah. Because if we fail and we listen to people, we'll always regret it. But if, and if we fail and we do it our way, you know, then we, then we'll have to be okay with that. Sure. And that was like one of those early lessons where I was like, okay, let's cut out the noise. Let's do what we want. And then we'll just, you know, we have to make it work. I see the logo. It's a really cool looking logo. It looks like an upside down crown. What's the significance of the logo? Yeah, so that kind of started about this kind of mindset and attitude that Frank and I took on of starting to only kind of focus on what our vision was and, you know, not listening to the outside noise. So it was about flipping the crown upside down, kind of going against the green, being a game changer, not being part of the restaurant establishment, you know, two non-restaurant guys coming in. We weren't trying to like disrupt the industry per se, but it was you know, very different, like health and wellness was still on its uprise in 2015. So it, it was just our way of kind of flipping that crown upside down. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, like when you first opened your doors, how was it? Well, it was uh, painful. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm far enough out of it to think there was never a bad day. Like now, like sure. I, I, but I remember at the time being embarrassed when I would have like friends or family come and no one would be in the restaurant. It would be me and my friends and family. That was hard. And then we started to get some people come in and then, you know, you really get to know them. Like they, like we had one gentleman who ate here three times a day, every day for the first year. And, you know, he lost 60 pounds. Every team member we had knew him by name. uh, And he's still my friend to this day. He still comes in all the time. And, And there's actually many of those people who they essentially just made Impact Kitchen their home base for their nutrition. Hi, my name is Liza, and I oversee marketing and strategic partnerships here at Impact Kitchen. When did you start at Impact? I started about two months ago now. Oh, so you were fresh. Sure <laughs> am, yeah. <laughs> did you know of Impact before? I did, and that's definitely a big reason why I'm here, is I've been an, at Impact since day one and have seen the company grow and build a great community and. I live just down the street, so this one definitely was part of my daily routine, which is great. What started to happen in the second half of the first year, we became a community hub where I saw like a lot of entrepreneur meetups. Obviously, the health and wellness crowd started to come in. The professional athlete crowd started to come in. And then that was kind of months six through 12. We started to see that and we started to get a little bit busier. And then kind of the second year, we started to see the King West crowd come over, the Rosedale crowd come down, and then we became a bit of a destination. And you know that's when I knew it, and then Frank gave the go-ahead to start thinking about growing. Uh, all right, so it's you, Frank, uh, and you, you mentioned a third partner. Yeah, so Frank's nephew, Brett Toskin, he joined us right around our opening of our second location at Adelaide and Brant, about two years in. And then, you know, another game changer for the business. He brought a lot of skills that I didn't have. You know, he had founded, uh, you know, an amazing experiential marketing company and decided to move on. And then kind of at this time impact, you know, we were about to open our second location. 
you know, we started to recognize that setting in operational excellence and structure into the company was going to be needed. He kind of stepped right in and had those skill sets and also a passion for hospitality, people. And, and, you know, he kind of fit right in and and changed how we operate here. And it set us in the path now to have five and, and, you know, hopefully more in the future. Did you always think you were going to have more than one of these or did that come later? I think like even before we opened, I knew that there would be that opportunity, but I knew there was a lot of, like I knew we had to figure out how to run a restaurant. So that first year I probably didn't even think about it. Uh, just because I was every day trying to understand how to run a restaurant, which was a, a learning curve in itself. And then, you know, that second year, we started to almost outgrow the space. We were trying to squeeze tables in in the hallway here. We knew we needed to grow. And then it was just a matter of figuring that out. Brett joining us because we like, one great thing about this journey is, you know, you learn your strengths and weaknesses along the way. Right. Going from one to two or, or two to three, it's a different ballgame. Right. You know, in terms of how you run meetings, you know, the operational flow of a day, sure. uh, the back end, the finance team. Yeah. And, and these are things that, you know, I needed someone like like a Brett to yeah. come in and say, OK, let's build an HR department. Let's yeah. build a finance department. Uh, let's build our ops team. You know, and now it's and, and an impact playbook. You need a playbook. Well, it's funny you say that because yeah. and we might get to this later, but that's what we're calling our right. next phase is uh, we're building that playbook for, for what we, we hope is to come in the future. Is that when you started thinking about the idea of a central kitchen? You, you showed me a com- yeah. your commissary kitchen here. Is that when you kind of started thinking, we need to centralize like our prep? Well, it's, it's a great point. Based off the space, the lease we signed out there, we knew we weren't going to be able to do what we do here. So we knew we needed to, uh, you know, make uh, our bone broths, our, our salad dressings, uh, our soup stews, baked goods out of a central little kitchen. Mm-hmm. And we, we were fortunate to have some extra space here. So that's when that started. And, and that was like another new project. Uh, again, with no experience, just kind of figure it out as you go. And then, yeah, then now now you've seen the space. We've quadrupled the space yeah. in the back. And uh, now it's a, it's a pretty significant operation. Next, Impact Kitchen is firing on all cylinders after a tentative start, now with five locations across the city. But will their inexperience in running a restaurant come back to haunt them when the pandemic hits? Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to Yes, We Are Open. Personal trainer and nutrition coach Josh Brune had a big dream to open a restaurant that made minimally processed nutrition-dense real food. One of his clients, Frank Toskin, co-founder of Mac Cosmetics, became a believer in Josh's dream, and the two of them partnered to open Impact Kitchen, despite neither of them having any experience in the restaurant industry. Can they survive the biggest threat to ever hit the restaurant industry? Let's find out. What's been your biggest struggle? What's threatened to shut you down? Well, I, yeah, I think you you know where I would go there uh, with with COVID, which actually literally shut us down. Sure. Uh, if you remember it's that first 
kind of wave coming in. It was a lot of uncertainty. Right. So, you know, we made a decision as a company to close down completely, which was, you know, probably in the seven years, the, the hardest time. It was definitely shocking in many ways. And I come from the professional sports industry, which from our perspective at the time was a bit of the catalyst to everything standing still. Um, so really just stopped in our tracks and uh, were, you know, shelved a lot of things that we were working on and life changed completely for everyone in that moment and different people in different ways over time. What's your name? My name's Dan. Dan, what do you do? Uh, I am the culinary distribution manager for Impact Kitchen. I've been working with Impact Kitchen for about a year now. So you started kind of still during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mask mask policy in full force. Mm-hmm. How was it early on? Well, I think the pandemic was challenging for everyone. Uh, my background, I'm, I'm a chef, so uh, I've worked in the industry for over 17 years, and uh, COVID did a lot to all of us. Uh, when it first hit, I was uh, still chefing, and... Um, yeah, really, really tough. Wipe out the schedule for everyone. What are you doing in that time? Like, how are you feeling, first of all? Well, you, you feel terrible for the team members that you do have to let go at the time. But there wasn't much time of thinking about it because we started action items right away. Like the dropping food at the team's doorsteps, all the other products from, from the app, you know, the website, the grocery program, like those were massive projects right. that took, you know, hundreds of hours to do. You know, that, at that time, looking back, you know, there was uncertainty in the air, but for the business, and that's another advantage of having Frank on our team. I didn't feel, and through conversations we had, it wasn't really a conversation that we had to shut the entire company down forever. You know, I'm fortunate and grateful for that. And it's not lost on me that I'm lucky to, to have a partner like that. So really our conversation went to how can we make our business better? How can we get through these lockdowns, you know, with the, with the grocery program, you know, with the app, making it easier for people to order ahead of time. So when they come in, they don't have to wait in the restaurant long enough because, you know, people weren't comfortable for certain periods of that time. They just kind of wanted to, we even would, would bring the food outside for them. Uh, you know, you, you do anything you can for your customer. Looking back on it, the hardest was, was the waves of emotion. So if you remember, you know, we would be allowed to open back up and then kind of get going and then, and then another lockdown and get open back up, kind of get going another lockdown. Like those were, that was the hardest uh, for sure. Because now, now most people have heard these stories and realized, but just a tremendous amount of work would go into a reopen. And then a tremendous amount of work would go into a lockdown. Yeah. And, and I'm sure every business was different, but in the restaurant business, like it was just so much with you know, inventory management, the, the HR paperwork, yeah. payroll paperwork, uh, you know, the, the team members, like emotions. Mm-hmm. When I think back of if there was like the hardest thing, it would have been the, the, the ups and downs of opening and closing. Yeah, imagine you had to lay some people off, right? Like, well, when, when you would lock down, yeah. you would have to lay off a number of people, uh, which was not fun, not fun. So you got to work and you, you took took advantage of that time to, to do what you needed to do. Uh, built your app, 
you said, I think you had mentioned the commissary kitchen was built during. We, we've kind of chunked it along the years, mm-hmm. but, but the, the largest expansion kind of came towards the tail end yeah. uh, of COVID. Mm-hmm. At what point during the pandemic in the last two years did things start looking up? Well, we were fortunate that even pre-pandemic, we had uh, our food travels well, and, and takeout was a part of our business already. Right. Um, obviously, during the pandemic, you know the, the Ubers, the, the skip the dishes, yeah. the DoorDashes, the worlds became more important, mm-hmm. and you know we had to have more eyes on that element of our business. Mm-hmm. Those are great, and I mm-hmm. and I love that. But seeing people dine in the restaurants yeah. is the best feeling. Sure. I remember at certain points you you were allowed twenty five percent capacity. Mm-hmm. And then even that felt great. Just seeing people back in, then it would go to 50% capacity. Yeah. You know, that felt great. And then I think after 50, they opened it up to the, the entire restaurant. Actually, one thing that I, that I noticed for myself is because it was so long with seeing an empty restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I guess in a way you get, you almost get used to it. Right. And, and then when the vibe started to come back up mm-hmm. and seeing people eat in, like I would be, I park my car or ride my bike in and I'd be like, just giddy to like get into the restaurant right. so i was like okay i want to see how many people are in today uh just how it feels okay now we're back now we're coming out of this mm-hmm. but then deep down praying to god there wouldn't be another right. wave or another lockdown yeah. uh you guys uh got a pretty impressive client at some point during the lockdown you want to talk about that <laughs> We were fortunate pre-pandemic to have a lot of professional athletes eating here and a lot of specifically NHL players. And, you know, early days, that was super exciting to see right. the, some of the, the Leafs and uh, other guys coming in. But we knew Toronto was going to have a bubble here. I know myself and, and one of my colleagues named uh, Alex Casali, who, who managed a lot of those relationships, we just went on phone call, email mode of you know, every nutritionist, strength coach, every person we could think of in the NHL to ensure we had a presence in the bubble. Right. And we got we got somehow to connected to NHL head office in New York City, and you know we did a, did a number of calls with them. You know they they kind of vetted our concept, and then made us an official kind of partner for the for the bubble mm-hmm. to to be able to bring in food there. So that was huge for us. You know, yeah. bring in uh, you know the team is typical quarter is like fifty to sixty bulls to mm-hmm. do the roster, the coaching staff. And so that was massive for us. That carried us through for a while. I'm sure. That sounds like that, that would be a pretty big daily order. Yeah, massive. So then you had that big kitchen in the back. Yeah, we, we <laughs> took that over and just were, were pumping out bowls. And it was exciting. You know, it's fun. We built great relationships mm-hmm. in there. And, and to this date, we do a lot of, like, especially visiting teams coming in. We're catering most of them, catering the plane rides after the games. And then in the off season, we've made some really special partnerships with Gary Roberts and, and his team, Adrian and Sylvie. During the, the lockdowns, we, we brought them food to go. And then the last couple summers, we've been up on site with them at St. Andrews, like a impact team cooking for their team for breakfast, snacks, lunches, and, and more snacks. And it's just a five-star program that they all run up there. Yeah. And we take that same approach in our restaurants of trying to not leave any stone unturned. So that it's, been a, it's been a nice partnership. Coming up after the break, we find out what the future holds for Impact Kitchen. At Moneris, we empower merchants to keep doing business their way, while we handle the payment processing our way. What way would that be? The safe way. The always connected way. The awesome integrated tools to help you make more money way. 
We know your business never stops, so you deserve products that never stop working. That's why we're committed to providing our merchants with a payment partner that works just as hard as they do to make every sale. Moneris, proud partner of small Canadian business. Welcome back to Yes, We Are Open. Josh Brune and Frank and Brett Toskin went from having zero restaurant experience to opening five impact kitchen locations in Toronto in just seven years. And they did it through a pandemic that shut down many more seasoned, longer-serving restaurants. Their future certainly looks as healthy as one of their meals. How healthy? Let's find out. How do you feel about the future of Impact Kitchen? I think the future is big for us. Um, you know, I really believe that. Now, we've kind of taken the approach of, you know, you mentioned Playbook earlier. Yeah. So from myself to Frank to, to Brett, you know, there's a passion for operating a business with excellence. So we've grown relatively quickly with, you know, the five locations over the last seven years. Yeah. And through that, you know, I've talked about Brett coming in and creating structure in our company and, and, and uh, departments. Yeah. Um, but we're still, we still run the business relatively organically. And, you know, you mentioned that word playbook earlier. So this past summer, we did a lot of work on what our growth strategy could look like taking us up to the year 2030. And a big part of that was not growing uh, in location-wise for 2023 and slowing down and creating that playbook. So we've presented to Frank the vision and, you know, he liked it. He approved it, which is... Our ultimate ambition is to grow the brand into the U.S. market. Oh, okay. So that's the kind of goal we're shooting for right now. But the immediate is, is to create that playbook. So we brought on some new team members. You know, we freed up some of our superstars within the company to zone in on this playbook. And, you know, it's going to be a year's project. That's why I'm here, honestly, is that belief in the future of this business. And I'd say people is the reason and those early day conversations even before I made the decision to move over with Josh and the team is is what brought me here. Um, just a great, really strong vision for the future, ambitions to grow, ambitions to take what we've done in Toronto and, and see where that can go, bigger picture, broader scope. So that really is what it comes down to for me is you know, having a goal and we're working towards it and uh, bringing in people to help do that and feel really fortunate to be one of those people that's been brought on to kind of see where this thing can go from here, which is super exciting. Well, I would like to stay with the company and continue to grow. I think the best thing about Impact right now is we are in a big growth stage. So people think, you know, we've got five locations, we're a big company or, or whatnot. Like, we're still small and we're still, I think, learning and, and, and growing. And um, it's a really personable team here. And, and all the owners and all the managers and the head office team is very responsive to kind of everybody. And everybody kind of works together and especially here in the commissary, um, which is what I oversee. Um, everybody kind of comes together and talks about the future. So there's lots of opportunities, and I hope to be a part of them. When we're ready to grow, we're going to grow. Uh, we want to be able to grow, I wouldn't say rapidly, but we want to grow aggressively. You started off this company with zero experience in running or owning a restaurant. 
and now you've got five locations in seven years. How do you feel about your accomplishment? Well, it feels great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first thing that I thought of when you said that, it, it feels great because it aligns with my core values, it aligns with Frank's values, and it aligns with Brett's values, the, the three partners here. And I can honestly say the values that we've brought to this business from going back to 2015, or even those training sessions, to where we want to take it to 2030, they haven't changed. You know, Frank said to me once, you know, we're going to make it with high quality ingredients or we aren't going to make it at all. So that to me was like a a sign that, you know, I'm never going to get pressured to, you know, run a a business model with a lesser quality product. So right now, part of this playbook strategy is, you know, creating the business model, you know, living up to our food philosophy, living up to the community initiatives we want to do, living up to the, the partners we want to partner with. And it just feels great. It feels right because, you know, I can honestly say to myself, to you, that Impact's only going to get better on the values and and the food philosophy, the team first approach going into this next phase of growth. And it makes me want to come to work every day. Last question, guys. Is Impact Kitchen open? Yes, Yes, we we are are open. open. All right, perfect. That's the story of Impact Kitchen. Vision, work ethic, resilience. How about defiance? I think this week the lesson is be defiant. We're taught from a very young age that we should listen to our elders or those with more experience, those who know better. And 95% of the time, that is sound advice. But I believe that one thing entrepreneurs excel at over others is knowing when to stop listening, when to be defiant. A line in today's story sticks in my head, and it happens early on when Frank Toskin gives Josh the following advice. I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it is, at some point, you have to stop listening to what other people say. If you fail listening to others, you'll always regret it. But if you fail doing things your own way, then you'll have to be okay with that. Now, I'll take that thought one step further and add, if you always listen to what other people say, then you won't be able to innovate because you'll constantly do what has already been done. I dare say that if Josh had continued to listen to the advice of others, he may not have been able to build what he's built. Instead, he was defiant when everyone told him his idea would certainly fail. Imagine looking at an industry from the outside and saying, I can do better than that, and then doing it. It looks as if that's exactly what Josh did. He turned that crown upside down. And as a result, the future of Impact Kitchen looks very bright indeed. Yes, We Are Open is a Moneris podcast production. I'd like to thank Liza, Dan, and Josh for taking time to share their story. You can learn more about Impact Kitchen at impactkitchen.ca. You can also follow them on LinkedIn. On Facebook, they're at Impact Kitchen TO. And on Instagram and Twitter, they're at Impact Kitchen. For more information about this podcast, visit our site, yesweareopenpodcast.com. If you'd like to support us, rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a Canadian small business owner or know of one with an interesting story of perseverance to tell, I'd love to help tell it. You can contact me at podcast at Tune in next week for another story of small business struggle and survival on the Yes, We Are Open podcast. 
I'm Al Grego. Thank you for listening. Thank you.